another week, another episode of Troubled. This is a weekly Haven Rewatch podcast. That's the sci-fi TV show from 2010 that ran about five, really six seasons, uh, based off the Colorado Kid by Stephen King. My name is Alex French. I'll be your first host today. I'm a writer and podcaster. And uh, my co-host is... Thanks, Alex. Uh, I am Rich French. I am also a podcaster, former uh, Army Sergeant and uh, health insurance and healthcare management uh, career field, but now I want to transition to podcasting. So thanks for listening, and hopefully uh, we, we can do more of these. Yeah, so we, if you want to reach us, we have a Facebook page uh, for the Troubled Haven podcast. Um, we're setting up a Patreon. That'll be soon. That'll be ready soon. You can kind of take a look. We have some extra content coming your way. With all of that, um, I think we're doing an episode purely based on the novella Colorado Kid. So keep your eyes peeled if you want to visit us there. I'll have more specific information later. Okay, this one's going to be a little different than how we did the format for episode one. For the last episode we did, we kind of went through the whole episode. We introduced the show, then we went through the whole episode. We gave our commentary kind of splash throughout but now we're going to kind of change it and do a summary real quick at the beginning kind of get you into the show in case you're not watching and then we'll move into just a more general discussion just to kind of i think make it a bit more interesting i think that'll turn out better for everyone because if you're re-watching the show you don't really need us to re-describe everything that you just watched in a longer podcast than the tv episode um, no, I, I agree completely. We, uh, you know, uh, you, you can trust your own eyes, and and we'll work on giving giving you guys some uh, different content uh, and different information. All right. So this one is episode two, coming right off the heels of the pilot. Uh, we kind of start with some characters we're not familiar with. We meet the Rev, Hannah, her his daughter, and Bobby. Her, what what is that? Uh, Bobby's her, not adopted, but. Uh, foster, like foster. a foster child situation, and uh, yeah, uh, Otis is also on scene. Is that the bartender? Yeah, Otis is uh, the manager or owner of the Rusty Bucket. Uh, is he like a regular, or is he just for the episode? I can't, I don't think he shows up, right? Like, I think he's just for the episode, so yeah. uh, you can, you don't have to expand <laughs> any energy in trying to remember Otis. He's not that memorable of a character. I think it's funny that they haven't used the gray goal yet, but uh, and they're using this bar instead. But I guess they got to wreck the front. Well, one of the funny things in the commentary was that uh, it was meant to be a dive bar, and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, they couldn't find a divey enough bar in there, and he just left the name Rusty Bucket, <laughs> anyways. Yeah, it looks pretty not divey. Looks more high end. Um, so the rev, the rev, uh, played by Stephen McCaddy, shows up. Gets real mad. His daughter's doing, you know, doing running the numbers for this bar. And what does the Rev kind of come up and do? He's kind of coming up and yelling about sin and all that stuff. Right. It's, you know, for uh, those of you who like the show and have watched it, Rev is, you know, kind of one of the thorns in the side of uh, a lot of the protagonists in the show. But he, he does, you know, fire and brimstone and, you know, sees um bars as like a den of inequity type of thing right does not want hannah being involved in any way because we found out later she uh he he is a recovering alcoholic who falls off the wagon pretty hard in the episode so yells they leave uh and then the next morning a giant bronze ball comes rolling through town 
led by a butterfly crashes in. Uh, we kind of transition to, we finally get our intro, but then we transition to Aubrey back at Audrey, not Aubrey, Audrey back at the uh, police station. And she is talking to the chief about staying longer and he's trying to get her to kind of, he's kind of trying to get her to stay, right? Right. He's uh, telling her that it's going to take a, it's going to take a long time. You know, that, that case was from a long time ago. Why don't you enjoy your vacation? Go check out the moose farm. And she's like, you know, she's once again, not much of a social life. So she's fucked that finds out about the case. Nathan brings up, goes to investigate bronze balls, destroyed a bar. They try to look into it. They go to the church, meet the rev. And Nathan has a pretty averse reaction to the rev, right? Yeah. I've never seen Nathan that upset. Now, granted, it's only the second episode <laughs> and, uh, you know, sadly it's rest of things I've seen are bleeding in, but, uh, Nathan's usually mild mannered guy and boy, he, the rev pisses him off. Yeah, exactly. And we, we find out why. <laughs> yeah. So they have like a little conversation. Audrey gets in their face. Uh, we kind of get fully introduced to Hannah, his daughter, and she seems pretty scared of the Rev. Bobby, who looks up to the Rev, but the Rev's not very nice to him. But they have a conversation afterwards about why Nathan, you know, the Rev's pretty, he's pretty obstinate not helping them. They have a conversation after Nathan. Is that where Nathan explains why he doesn't like the Rev? He explains it when they walk out of the, the baptism, when, mm. uh, when when the Rev is talking about, you know, you had to protect this baby from uh, the troubled and un ungodly in the community. And, that, you know, <laughs> Nathan's just like, fuck this, I'm out of here. And then... Uh, so they have like a little conversation. Nathan Z doesn't like the Rev. And then Audrey goes back to her hotel, gets sees a butterfly, and then gets cocooned by, is it just like rope kind of like... It's, it's the... It's, it's the thread from the blanket. And, right, I right. Mean, uh, yeah, it, it's horrible. I mean, that's bad, <laughs> that's bad effects. I, I don't care what budget you're working on. That looks pretty ridiculous. Right. So then, then uh, you know, she gets cut out by Nathan off camera. And then we kind of move into, they go to the back to the church because they're like the revs behind this. You know, like who else would want to attack her? He gets attacked by, he gets, his necklace gets magnetized to a car. And then another car tries to crush him. And they manage to save him at the last second. He gets he gets attached to uh, magnetized to a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and then uh, which almost gets which gets smashed by a Dodge Neon. And uh, once again, both pieces of shit. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> depend. I mean, we could say that about the Rev too. Maybe all three. Um, <laughs> he almost gets killed. He gets fucking. Uh, he's mad about them talking to his daughter, right? And he gets like fucking wasted. Is oh that, yeah. Yeah. And then he's talking a lot of shit. Before they get there, they they, they go to the food bank, and that's right. where uh, you know uh, Hannah and Bobby are at. And Nathan talks with Bobby, and uh, Audrey talks with uh, talks with Hannah, and you know learns uh, what Rev wants, Rev gets. And uh, Bobby, uh, uh, when he's in his mood, he goes to his room, and Hannah just takes it. So uh, yeah, and then we move to the school, right? And that's where. Bobby's all excited about his science project and he's trying to outdo Hannah. And then the final destination shit happens where uh, Nathan and Audrey, the water, what the, the sparking cable comes from the ceiling and it's swinging around. There's water leaking into the hallway and all the doors are locked and they got to, you know, jump up on a bench, which is right. metal. Just like, uh, like final destination, uh, yeah. you know, nightmare on Elm street. Uh, yeah. Some shit like that. Um, or the collector. I don't know if you remember the movie The Collector. We watched it together. I do remember the the collector and he uh, fucking electrifies the floor and dumps that fish tank to try to kill the collector. 
hey, at least he was thinking. I mean, everyone else in, in real life would be in there shitting your pants and uh, pretty much dead. That was like the only case of a movie where I thought the main character was not only smart, but like way smarter than any normal person would be, which was pretty cool to see. Normally, it's just the serial killer is unstoppably intelligent and agile and quick. And this finally met his match with this thief in The Collector. That is indeed a good movie. So if you had, <laughs> listeners, if you haven't seen it, uh, I'd recommend, you know, obviously Alex recommends it as well. Yeah, The Collection's okay. It's still pretty fucking crazy, but not as good as The Collector. Do you see the sequel, Collection? Nah, nah. I, I'm wary of sequels. They, they scare me. I'm sorry. I, I've been... I've been irreparably harmed by the Star Wars prequels <laughs> and uh, my universe. They don't exist. What about the new ones? You know, my feelings on the last film, I'd rather <laughs> not even speak of it. It was, uh, it, it yeah. was trash. It was just pure trash. And uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a I'm embarrassed and ashamed for anyone involved in it. Jeez. <laughs> I, so, I, I understand back. why they did it. They got a uh, pretty big paychecks. Cha-ching. I would do it. Cha-ching. Oh yeah. If, if I was offered a role, hell yeah, I, I would. Jeez, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd be the sixth Backstreet Boy if they paid me. Huh. I think you'd have to pay them. <laughs> okay, so Bobby's got a problem. Whenever he goes to sleep, the nightmares he has start manifesting in real life, right? It's like a reverse Nightmare on Elm Street where when they sleep, they go into these nightmares. When he sleeps, his nightmares become real. Right. So they, they go back to Reb's house and they take a look through his room. And sure enough, what's sitting on his table? A bronze ball, magnets, yeah, <laughs> and the string, string. yeah, and, and then uh, the actual symbol of uh, something supernatural is going to take place is the butterfly. Rev collects butterflies. Got Bobby interested, so Bobby collects butterflies. Yeah, and all those things are prominently placed in his room when he falls asleep. So they realize that, and that's when they realize we got to go find Bobby. Right, and Bobby, the trauma for Bobby comes from. His parents died in a car accident that he felt he could have prevented because his dad was dicking around at the radio. Dads never do that in my, my world, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I did it all the time. So dad's dicking around at the radio. They got in a car crash. Bobby feels still has nightmares that he could have prevented that, and that's what makes the manifest. So at the end, as Audrey and Nathan are driving to find him, uh, his nightmare takes control of the car and starts reenacting the crash, and they have to listen to him and take his advice on how to not crash, even though they still crash, but they survive because of it and they thank him and that kind of ends, his, you know, gets them out of the situation for now. Right. Uh, Audrey uh, realized that she could, you know, if he can see us, we're in his dream. So she comes up with the idea to start talking to him as his mother. And then uh, Nathan's kind of skeptical, but it starts working. And Bobby actually even appears in the vehicle with them. Finally, Nathan says he won't mess with the radio, and presto, they're, they're saved. They kind of, you know, help Hannah and Bobby move out from the Rev's house because the Rev is clearly not interested in raising a freak because he thinks people with the troubles are the problem. Um, real quick, we get a conversation with the chief, Chief Warnos, and uh, he's going to help Audrey with the case and, like, shows her the evidence box for the Colorado kid case file, or case, I should say. Empty empty just dust and she's like is this a fucking joke hannah and hannah and bobby move out and then audrey and nathan have a final conversation by the beach right 
Right, where uh, Hannah's uh, sorry that uh, you know she didn't take the chance to uh, to be with him when they were young and uh, tr- you know followed the Reb's orders and that she regretted it and you know and Nathan's like hey you know it's a long time ago uh, you know I'm a, as you see from this episode he's a player yeah. well that was with Hannah right and with then Hannah, and yeah. then he has a conversation with Audrey after that and what's kind of talk he kind of explains right why he can't feel anything. Well, first, uh, you know, back to, back to the chief, you know, the chief offers her a job. He's like, hey, you know, and chief has this line, and I know we're trying to be more macro, but uh, chief has a line where he says, other people see what they want to see. You see what things really are. And he's like, that's a special skill. We could use your help here. And he's, you know, so he floats the offer, job offer to her. She says she'll think about it. And then her and Nathan meet at that park bench overlooking the coast. And Nathan comes clean. He, you know, he tells her about 1983 and what happened to him with his shoulder and his, his sled accident and how people treated him afterwards and how they went away. And the key thing is he, he was worried that they wouldn't go away this time. And, uh, you know, and they being the troubles, right? The troubles, yeah. He explains the troubles uh, to Audrey. Pretty vaguely. Audrey. He just says the troubles, some people had some troubles. Yeah. 1983, people were really scared and shit. Kids getting pulled out of school. But then it ended, and now it's back. Well, and, and then Audrey and him both realized that uh, the picture in the Colorado kid was 1983. Right. So they think, it, you know, hey, this, this, this shit could be connected. And I guess I got to stay in Haven. And then, of course, Nathan wraps it up with, you know, she asks him want to get some dinner. And he's like, I sure do love pancakes. I think he's like, well, I, w- I want pancakes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so what did you think about this as a second episode for Haven? I liked it a lot myself. I think I liked it more than you did because um, I realized uh, after last week thinking that uh, Audrey was my favorite character. And she was probably that episode. But Nathan has always been my probably my favorite character overall. I mean, I, I loved him this episode because uh, he was he was savage, Nathan. He was lighting Rev up, and you know we just don't see that. He had this one line that was incredible, because uh, we learned that the the Rev's wife before she died, she'd actually left him and with and and kind of left with one of the deacons for you know, and then she died three days later. And Nathan tears him apart and says, you know, the way I hear it. Your your wife died three days after she was with the deacon, and and he and he says uh, it's like uh, I bet those were the best three days of her life, and that's just that's <laughs> yeah. just savage, you know, and that is just pure savage. And I, I liked it. He he went a little overboard with the anger and that, but I, I I really think this was a good way to introduce really the troubles. You know, you got hints of it last time. This is the, the, the opening, which I, I thought was really really cool. I liked it. You know, when we get to ratings, I'll give you my stars. Well, I think we're in ratings. We're in ratings. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually remembered while watching this, what I thought about this the first time I saw it. I'm fairly certain I didn't like it the first time I watched it. I think I I remember watching the pilot being like, this is pretty cool. And I think I watched the second episode and I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. And I think I let the episodes build up. And then I think when I started watching through the rest of season one is when... I think the third, I think moving on, I was, that's when I was impressed with Haven. But at the time I remember being the cocoon scene really stuck in my mind. I remember rewatching it this time. I was like, Oh boy, like, 
I remember not liking this back in 2010 when this came out. But the cocoon, the cocoon scene is is horrible. Although Audrey does have a great line in there when she moves the butterfly and she's like, uh, <laughs> "Polyester is so beneath you." I mean, yeah. that, that was funny. That's the, but that's the kind of uh, zingers that uh, I should say zinger lines that Audrey and Nathan come up with in the show. And other characters, Duke will have his moments later on, and that. But yeah, it, it, the cocoon scene is 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 tough because okay she gets cocooned and we're supposed to be afraid for her but it sure looks like nathan doesn't get her till the next morning isn't that how it looks yeah it's pretty weird so at night she gets cocooned calls nathan she can't get any words out you know he's yelling audrey 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 and then commercial which obviously we don't have commercials we're watching it on blu-ray now and then it looks like it's morning right that's that's what i recall from it as well and the cocoon's been cut open and she's like well thank god you got here in time and cut me out and it's like well (laughs) I think we would have liked to see the action of him like having to cut her out and being like confused by seeing this like thread cocoon she's caught in. He's pretty like nonchalant. He's like, oh yeah, you know, just you know, another day, another thread cocoon. So uh, he ha- has this great line. What are you gonna say? You wrap me up in a cocoon? Confess? <laughs> yeah, I-, I just thought that was fucking hilarious. That, uh, and even she acknowledges, okay, yeah, you know, that sounds <laughs> preposterous. But and if anyone saw. The action of it, they would think it was preposterous because it looks so fake and shitty. Here's like a question I was going to ask. This leads into like a question I had was that this, or at least a note, was that this second episode seems to backtrack on a lot of what the pilot did. One of which is if Nathan mentioning, oh yeah, the Troubles used to be a thing in 1983. Why was he denying stuff in the pilot? Like, oh, you know, what do you think? It's someone who can control the weather. That's insane. Or like this person made a cocoon. It's like, bro. If you were like a kid during the first Troubles, don't you think you'd be a bit more receptive to this version? So I think he's like, well, you know, what are you going to see? You're wrapped in a cocoon. I'm like, that sounds pretty normal considering, or that sounds like something that could happen in Haven considering, you know, that 1983 was this apocalyptic end time. Right. And I, uh, I think he knew the Troubles were back in episode one, but he didn't want to, uh, he probably didn't want to believe it. But, but uh-huh. I, I, think, I think he knew it. And uh, there was no denying it at the end of this episode that the trouble, troubles were back. And-, and another thing was Audrey, you know, kind of saying she's going to stay in episode one. And then in two, she's like, it seems like there's still an argument for her staying, right? Like, I understand that she's with the FBI and she offers her a job this time. But it seemed kind of weird where it seemed at the end of episode one, it's established like, yeah, I'm staying. And then at the beginning of this episode, it was the chief trying to convince her to stay permanently because they, they yeah. needed a, they needed a mechanism for her to uh, actually, it was one of my notes I had was I love the way chief engineered this, you know, chief, <laughs> said, uh, chief knew there was nothing in that evidence box and all of that, but here's, here's the, you know, here, here's the, the carrot, carrot. Here's the stick, you know, come work for me. Cause uh, he knows uh, she can help in these situations. And uh, well, I, don't know. I thought it was a bit of sloppy overlap to be honest is like, Oh, you know, come stay, but actually, okay, you did. Okay. But actually let's go over this plot line again and make sure you really stay this time. Like when he could have offered her a job at the end of episode one, I don't know. I think it was a bit inefficient, I would say. Well, well, and I I did, I listened to a bit of the director's talk, you know, commentary, not the director, excuse me, the the writers, Urson Dunn, even though only one, one of them, I can't remember which one it was, wrote it themselves. Yeah. You know, this episode was originally supposed to be the fourth episode. And they just, uh, they changed their mind and said, thought it needed to go to be the second because they really wanted to focus on Nathan for this episode. Because, you know, episode one is, you know, 
that's an Audrey episode. And, well, it's, an, uh, it's an Audrey episode, but it also introduces so much, right? It's like the town, a lot a of lot. the main characters, which was what I thought was weird about this episode was the lack of Duke, Dave, and Vince as essential characters to the like whole show in general. Not making an appearance was strange to me. It's almost a little confusing because it's like you're getting less information than the pilot. Like there's less stuff established. It almost like feels backwards in a way to me where we're establishing the troubles, but we're kind of, we've pulled away more layer. We've taken away more of Haven and maybe that's for the best, but for me, it felt a little, it felt a little simple. It felt a little bare this episode. The, the writers, uh, they, they acknowledged in the commentary that they, they had to uh, you know, rewrite scenes and, and stuff uh-huh. be, because of it. And that's the one thing is I didn't get far enough along to, you know, know, I would love to know what was the original uncut four looked like and which was, you know, and it's what's three now was two. How much changes were, were in there for that? I, I like it because I think the, the, the core, Haven's core is two things. It's, you know, the story of Audrey, what, what's, what's going on with that picture from 1983 uh-huh. and the troubles themselves, as we'll, as, as we'll see as episodes go, go along. I mean, it's, you know, we're going to be tackling, a, you know, a, at least one trouble per week, if not more sometimes. <laughs> I think I definitely I've... liked it more than you, but I can see, I can see your point about that. And it is, you know, looks a little disjointed, like it was ta- it's yeah. like taped together. I'm a little curious what episode three is going to look like. If we watch it, I'm going to be like, this was a much better episode two, or are we going to say, I totally understand why they didn't go with this. Yeah. We'll see if like episode two, if episode three is more, if I see it, I'm like, this feels like an episode two, or are we going to say, Oh, I understand. This doesn't feel right. I understand trying to change it later on, like to be for this episode, butterfly to be like the new episode two. Well, and maybe, maybe that explains some of the, you know, the, the, the lack of continuity from from the pilot is maybe if this is episode four and Nathan's still trying to be a, a trouble denier and you know and finally he just has to admit it yeah it's a little funny that at the end of like two episodes he's like all right I'll come clean the troubles happened and it's like not much of a you know you don't have much of a poker face he's not too good at keeping a secret if he's like okay I've spent two days with you Audrey I guess I'll spill the beans here's the troubles uh, and I'm part of it. I'm one of God's orphans, right? I think we discovered a new drinking game. Anytime Nathan says bottom of the bottle or bottom of a bottle, take a shot. Uh, I think at least three times he, you can tell the writers were just so in love with the phrase where they're like, oh yeah, when, they're, when Nathan's saying the revs are fucking drunk, we're going to say bottom of like, he's found him in a bottom of a bottle or the only hope he can find is in the bottom of a bottle. And they just keep saying it over and over. They, they should have uh, used the cut of a uh, smile, empty soul song. There and, uh... <laughs> he does it for the love as the radio edit said. Yeah. Man, he does the, it for the love, not the drugs. Not what's the, drugs. the Venn diagram of people <laughs> like Haven the sci-fi show and have even heard of smile empty soul hey there are some emo folks who like haven i'm sure yeah. is it emo or is it like kind of like butt rock type like i think they're like christian generally aren't they like i yeah. think that like i think that like a lot emo. of their other no. music was no. christian yeah they were uh kind of one hit wonder and uh not even hit one single yeah that was spe- uh, spectacular not even a it, wonder it was a catch it was a catchy song but it would have fit the episode yeah they could have <laughs> used it how did you like the variety of this episode? Like, so have we seen th- these types of episodes? Is this like a more monster of the week type staple? Is like the dream episode, like somebody's dreaming something into existence. I feel like Supernatural had an episode like this 
I can't off the top of my head. I would be shocked if X Files didn't have an episode like this. I, I'm sure there are. I don't. I don't. I can't recall a specific one, but I. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It, it's part of the franchise, you know. If you're doing something supernatural, you gotta have you gotta have some type of dreams. Yeah. Dream scenarios that 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 happens. I mean, I myself, I I found myself thinking that you know, as if I was wondering, did the writers were they were they trying to pay homage to Nightmare on Elm Street, like with the. Uh, yes, yeah, so I thought it was more Final Destination than uh, especially the like water electric scene. I was like, this is so Final Destination. Right, and uh, but. The, those are all things that were done during uh, Nightmare on Elm Street as well. So, and you know, Erst and Dunn are you know, like my age, I think. So, uh, it would have been heavily influenced. But that doesn't mean Final Destination didn't influence it. I don't know. I, I need to watch the commentary to see if they do. It just it mention any of their inspiration for some of these things. <laughs> like, I think the scene where they're they're in the truck, mm-hmm. they're in the truck, and uh, Bobby appears in the truck. I'm thinking Dead Zone right away. I'm just like and. So happens, Ernst and Dunn, with the, the other producers, worked on the Dead Zone on U, the USA Network. So I, I could I almost picture Christopher Walken in the backseat. I was going to say, I was gonna say all, <laughs> is he warning them about their cup of coffee they left in the taxi? <laughs> yes. Uh, you're going to want that coffee. I don't do a good walk-in, sorry. It's, uh, it's, you, you either have it or you don't. Uh, yeah. I definitely Space, don't. Spacey's got it. What, what, do you have a celebrity impression? No, uh, I, I can do walking <laughs> when I'm drinking, but not great. Can and you, it's, or do you feel, or does it, do the beer goggles uh, say? A couple of my friends think it's good, but then we're all drinking. So, yeah, uh, and, yeah. it's, and it's not consistent. I can't hit it every time. So and mm. it, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things like the, the stars align and I can do, uh, you know, a walking, but it's gotta be fast. Cause there's no way I can sustain it. And, uh, you know, I haven't mastered dramatic pause <laughs> enough of, uh, so it's a tough but, skill. So like I said, I feel like it's just, you're born with it or you're not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Spacey's got it. Uh, comedian Jay, Jay Moore, Jay Moore's well, got I, it. I don't know if, yeah, Jay Moore's is good. I don't know if anyone's gonna, is trying to listen to Kevin Spacey's walk and impression anymore. Well, no, no. Kevin Spacey has, uh, woo. His DOA. Yeah. He, he killed his career with some, uh, very bad behavior. And, uh, yeah. Um, I don't even think he could get cast on something like Haven now. <laughs> no, I, I, no, he's not doing sci-fi network. I'm thinking he's got to go to another country. And I mean, uh, probably yeah, like he, tur- Turkey or some somewhere. Yeah, he needs to leave this hemisphere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I he might, do, not, like, even, he I might know, not even no, find work there. Yeah, maybe. I wonder how. I wonder what this. How wonder how they receive. Oh, I wonder what they would. How they would react to an American star, a disgraced, blacklisted American celebrity coming to work there. Maybe Bollywood. Maybe Bollywood. Uh, I don't know. So this one's like very case of the week, right? Like it's not as the first episode had a case of the week situation, but not not as much as this one. This one has very little overall story. I guess with Audrey's overall story, because the Kate the file or the evidence box ends up being empty, right? So I guess my question was this to you. We talked about this a little last week with do we think this show would be all right in modern times? But I wanted to ask that what kind of watcher are you? Do you like the monster of the week or are you a big story guy? Like, so a lot of the time now, like if we're a true detective, right? Isn't eight little stories. It's one big story cut into eight parts, right? Right. Um, so are you like the true detective? 
kind of like watcher now where you want the show to be one big story, like one big movie cut up in a segment, or do you like this? Each one's kind of its own capsule. You can kind of watch an episode. And if you don't know the big overall story, nothing really lost, you can still enjoy beginning, middle and end without knowing really the rest of the show. Like which do you have like a preference? Well, and it's for different things for my movies. Yeah. I like, I like it like that, but you know, I am comfortable with this, you know, this episodic formula where you do have a monster of the week and you slowly progress, progress, uh, you know, the overarching story through. Uh, I, I'm big into, you know, I read fantasy books and, you know, this is what you, what we do is, you know, you stretch out the books, <laughs> you know, you flesh out these characters, you know, make seven, you know, seven to 10 books. And uh, as a fantasy fan, you usually, you, you, you suck it up and you're great. What, what's and, Wheel of Time? Wheel of Time is what? Uh, is that 13 or something? Yeah. And Wheel of Time had to be finished by Brandon Sanderson because uh, yeah. Robert Jordan got sick. But even before he got sick, he had stopped, you know, he had stopped writing, you know, putting them out as frequently. The worst example of that is George, I can't finish the last fucking book, R.R. Martin with Game of Thrones. He, um, I mean, I hear, he's been, I hear he's been making progress on Winds of Winter, though, since the since the uh, stay-at-home order. Yeah, I was like, I would fucking hope you have no excuse now. Yeah, um, exactly. He's not he's not jet-setting all over, uh, you know, all over Croatia. And, yeah. Uh, you talk about – he sure seems to have loved the fame he's gotten from this. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of the – I think that might be a generational thing. That mm-hmm. I think right. your generation and older are more down with the – monster of the week case of the week episodes whereas my generation i'm on the very end tip of millennials uh so moving forward with like uh younger millennials i'm not that young anymore i guess but like uh younger scale of millennials and gen z definitely i think move more towards that they want a giant one that they can binge all at once right because i don't think shows like haven or x files or supernatural are like super binge geared maybe is the word i'm looking for like you can finish an episode and be like, I'm done. That's I'm good for the week. I don't really need to watch this again. Whereas a lot of these other shows, these other shows, I think one I watched was Sabrina on Netflix, which is pretty good. And in like very intense cliffhangers and not like cliffhangers, like what were the troubles? It's kind of like, Oh my God, like this literally that story isn't wrapped up at all. I have to watch the second episode to like finish out this like moment, this scene, which sometimes like older TV shows do, but not as much. That's a newer, it's a newer thing. Everything was, uh, we mentioned this last week about the show is, uh, you know, they, they knew they got, they got green lit for a full, a full season. So, yeah. you know, you want to have that full season and yeah, you're going to, you, you're going to put a lot of the, the meat and the really good shit at the end so that you can get that second season, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that's what your goal. You got to put enough at the front and they probably could have put a little more at the front with this. I mean, Actually, I, I did like the episode, but then again, like my generation, we're, we're okay with it. And, and viewing habits have changed. I know folks even older than me who, uh, I know like a 76-year-old guy I play tennis with who's uh, binge watches shows on Netflix with his wife in the evenings. And, you know. So. Yeah, like, uh, well, I think it's because of DVR and streaming services, right? Like with DVR, I was like, oh, I can record the whole season, watch it all at once. I want to say that's how I predominantly watched Haven when uh, I watched it the first time was I'd let the season build up and then just bulldoze through it like quickly, which I guess counters what I just said about Haven not being a great binge show, but um, liar. Yeah. I guess I have to retract that statement. Um, But I think that's once again, because of the younger viewing habits and because 
older shows were designed, who's going to jump into the show at what point, right? Like, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger, right? Who knows when they're going to jump in? So you can't have this giant continuous story. Right. And uh, unless, unless Walker, Texas Ranger has a giant continuous story, I actually don't know. Uh, not that I'm aware of, but I really didn't watch it that much. Uh, you know, I, it's coming back. Yeah, uh, P- Jared Padlecki from Supernatural's Walker. <laughs> yeah, I don't know uh, if he's up to it. Yeah, I, I know he is up to like uh, beating the shit out of some, uh, you know, getting a, a fight in an Austin <laughs> bar. Yeah, yeah. Just, just thinking, he's he's like only an hour north of me. Uh, I better watch my mouth. Could have been you. Down here and kick my ass. Would you be talking shit to a guy who's like, was he six three, six four? Uh, no, I wouldn't be talking shit to a guy who clearly must have, uh, you know, roided up uh, <laughs> from season one to like three. I don't know. I I'm don't kidding. Know. I'm kidding. <laughs> Jared, don't come kick my ass in San Antonio, please. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And can yeah. win any case because he's got enough money to beat you yeah, like, yeah, no. in court, too. No, that would be like my my uh, my mixed martial arts, uh, you know, introduction. You know, I run around the <laughs> ring for 30 seconds and then just fall and tap. I mean, that was uh, if they got anywhere near me, I'm falling and tapping before they can even punch me. <laughs> All right. We got to talk about Nathan's sideburn, though. Speaking of sideburns, because Jared Padalecki has sideburns sometimes in Supernatural, which eh, and I don't know about that look. Now talk about Nathan's weird. Did you notice it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. At the end on the bench, it looks like his sideburn got like shaved a little above. Like he's got like a little. It looks like he has a square kind of like on his uh, right in the gin, jaw hinge. Yeah, his his sideburns definitely looked looked funky. He had uh, He's yeah, yeah. yeah, he wasn't uh, there was no maintenance there, and and maybe he was trying to maintain it. That would be a funny story <laughs> if he was trying to maintain it and fucked up and, and you know and shaved a little part of an accident. It can well, happen in story. I imagine it was when he was getting ready to cut that rope cocoon. He was fumbling with uh, the knife and just you know. Went by his face, maybe give him a close shave. Well, you can't feel know. anything. You imagine how hard it is <laughs> yeah, to shave. Yeah. How hard is it to shave <laughs> if you can't feel anything? Who knows? He might be cutting him. But he is shaved. You know, if this was, if this show came out in 2020, he'd for sure have a beard. Uh, oh yeah, he, he he would have a he would have a beard. That's for sure. That would be because what when Edge little little uh, sneak peek when Edge comes on later, he has a beard, right? I think he does. I, I know at some point. Uh... It's not like a shaggy beard. It's a uh, from what I remember. It's not like a shaggy. No, beard, I, 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 I think it's pretty. It's pretty trim. Uh, yeah. Or is it a goatee? I think it's a beard. I think he's got the full beard. Because I think he, what little I can remember of wrestling from when I was a kid, I he was he's pretty stubbly. He can, it looks like you know it looks like if he shaves, he's getting a lot of it back by the end of the day. Yes, the aforementioned Adam Copeland. So is that his name? Uh, yeah, that's his. Name. I don't think I ever knew his name. I just knew his edge. Well, and funny thing is, uh, they actually had Christian, who was his uh, edges, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. edges p- partner in uh, the, the WWE at that time, and uh, F at that time, and now E. He actually crosses over to Haven too, so that's two oh spoilers. my god! Uh, uh, I think it's limited. I'm pretty sure it's limited. I'm but here's sure. The, here's the thing: in real life, they were friends in Canada, and they both embarked on their wrestling careers together. And look at that! And Edge carried them in wrestling, and now he carried <laughs> them in the television as well. So Christian, you, you owe Edge quite a bit. What? What is? Also, don't kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what is our audience looking like here? Where? <laughs> The crossover between Haven fans, WWF fans, and Smile Empty Soul fans. This is going to be an interesting Venn diagram. 
Well, uh, we're just going to keep expanding till we catch everybody some way, somehow. You'll 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 going to get a separation <laughs> from Haven. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to get my ass kicked by numerous celebrities. Apparently. We can only, we can only hope. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I have uh, life insurance. That's what he's uh, referencing there. I didn't think this episode was as funny as the first one. It was lacking a it was lacking a little something. I don't know. It, it it didn't have as many because Nathan had to be you know he had to be rampage mate Nathan you know kind of like <laughs> rampage Ar- Archer. So uh, not not that bad, but he had his mo- he had his moments. So uh, and there was funny moments like when. Uh, you know, after he tells her why the Rev is pissed at him, because he, yeah. Nathan invited her to prom, and then instead of going to prom, mm-hmm. they went up on the on the cliffside and watched a meteor shower uh, naked. And then Audrey was like, and you can see he's actually looking like a little proud of that. And then she, and <laughs> she's like, oh, Nathan, he's like, uh, and she, it, it comes out like, why? And he's like, why? Meteor showers are better naked. <laughs> so, well, then doesn't he say the naked was her idea? He's he like, does. Well, the naked was her idea. Okay. He does, but it it ends yeah, yeah. with with it, with his one liner. That, that that was you know so. That so there's was like funny. yeah, there's like some moments, but I I think overall the first episode had a better balance of humor, and I think honestly what is missing is either Vincent Dave or Duke because I think both of those that character and character duo have a lot more humor ingrained in their interactions, right? Duke is normally a smart ass. Um, so the conversations are generally more fun with him. And then Vince and Dave, the fun, it comes from their bickering and banter with each other and then interacting with a third party. Um, so I think that was honestly missing for me this right. episode. And that's because it was completely, it, it was, its intent was to be really focused on, focused on Nathan and Nathan, yeah. you know, his, his sense of humor is dry. He's, you know, he's not out there, you know, I do weddings and bar mitzvahs as well. You know, that's just not his, <laughs> uh, that's not his, his shtick. And uh, I, I, my memory serves me, me right. We slowly, you know, everybody comes into play. And it's it, the show, in my opinion, I hate to be jumping jumping ahead, but it's at its best when all of its main elements are in, in play at the same time. Yeah, and that's why so. I think this episode was a little weaker because it didn't have a lot of those elements, which is nice to focus on Nathan. But I think we, I think this kind of opened our eyes where I know this sounds like such a betrayal because episode this first podcast episode I said Nathan was my favorite. Now I'm saying, yeah, he's not strong enough to carry the show, though. Not as the character is written. And, in I, my and Audrey, yeah. I think I think Audrey is lacking a bit of her smartassery as well in this episode. I don't know. She didn't seem as smartassy as she does as she did the first episode. Oh no, no. I mean, she had a couple moments, like in the first scene with Chief, and then you see, she's like, "Oh, you're gonna go the the folksy local police route on yeah. me," and. Uh, yeah, I was trying to be civil. I mean, so she had a little, but it, uh-huh. it wasn't. It wasn't typical Audrey. So I, I, I can see that as well. Like with that, you know, I, actually, after talking to you, I, I don't like the episode as much as I did before <laughs> I spoke with you. So well, thanks, I, thanks, Debbie Downer. I know this is <laughs> things people say is that I just bring down the energy in the room. No, I'm just kidding. I think that's it for the episode. Uh, oh, one last thing. What, how do you um, what do you what do you think about the Rev overall? Is he because he he's he's a he's a moving forward, he's a character who's going to appear, I don't know like super often, but often moving forward. And uh, did you do you like him? Do you do you think this is a good first episode, a good introduction to him? Do we do we know him? I I do think they they did it uh, pretty pretty well actually. The, the, the Rev. Uh... I always like to call him a heel in the Haven universe because, uh, you know, we start introducing uh, wrestlers later on in there where, where you typically hear the term heel. 
So I like that. Rev is uh, Rev's one of those standard, you know, he's a standard like character type. You know, you need that, you know, that religious fire breathing, you know, bigoted type character. And I think he's played really well by the actor. You mentioned his name, uh, Stephen McHattie. And Ernst and Dunn love him. They they think he's a phenomenal, uh, you know, Canadian actor. I uh, I always I can't remember what happens with him later in the season because I mix up this and do you remember the movie Immortals? It was the dude who did. Do you remember the Cell with J Lo? Yeah, the, the dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the director who did that, and he did a movie with Lee Pace called The Fall, which I hear is really amazing. It's been on my list, but I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but his movie after that was Immortals about Greek gods, and Stephen McHattie's also kind of an asshole in that one. So I get I can't remember if the scenes I'm thinking of are from that or this. I or, uh, like for the end for like how things go with the character. I th- I think I did see it because I I I have an image of uh, McCaddy in a, in a in like a toga in yeah. my mind and uh, <laughs> and he's also in Watchmen. He's the old night owl. Oh yeah, that's right. Didn't yeah, even realize it. Hollis. Yeah something i can't remember his last name but they in the extended cut you can see the not top gang beat him to fucking death with his own trophies that's bonus content you gotta buy it to get to see that Uh, that's on Zack snyder's patreon okay so so we're so far off track um but to get us back on track i think we're done okay i'll talk about the rev a little bit i really like the rev he's a really cool character like you said i think you need that that kind of anger that like darkness that cloud and I think he kind of, because so far everyone in Haven is very nice. Everyone's very, the twins, I'm sorry, not the twins, the brothers, the Teague brothers are very helpful. Uh, the chief, even though, you know, he's kind of a prick sometimes, he's, there's a night, there's a softer side to him. It's just hard to. Yeah, I, 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 I made a note about that, that uh, you know, I really liked the chief this episode. Yeah, to, he kind of you know, 180s from the way he was in the first episode, too. Like I said, there's a lot of like, oh, wait, uh, so like from the first episode. Right. He's, uh, you know, to me, he completely engineered, engineered getting Audrey to stay in town because he knows she can help with the troubles. And yeah. He definitely knows, obviously, a lot, lot more than, he, than he's letting on to, on to her. I personally think... Uh, it, back back when I first watched this, that I I connected Howard and the chief, dude. Howard was talking to the chief. Had to be. So. I haven't even thought of who Howard's talking to. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I, I I can't recall if that actually gets re- revealed as time goes by. I mean, I'm sure it does. I'm, I imagine I imagine it does. But that that's right now at this point. That's where I'd be putting my money. Even yeah. though you know they like to bait and switch. You know, uh-huh. this person's it. Nope, it's this person. Oh shit! It was the third person that we were thought was too innocent. Uh huh. Yeah, Bobby was a pretty predictable pick. So yeah, I like the Rev. I think he's an essential character to kind of bring that, uh, for lack of a better term, a bad guy to the yeah, town. Yeah, I mean, he's and, and uh, I, I think he gets worse as time goes by. And uh, but what he also serves purpose. He's drawing a line. There's the people with the troubles. And everyone else is godly. Yeah, uh, he's drawing a line, and I, as time goes by, we, we're going to see more of that. But I don't want to give away too much. Watch the episodes. Better yet, don't watch them and just listen to us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this does justice. To so let's talk about the show opening. The pilot, we didn't have a true intro. We just got the Haven logo, which they don't do this time. This time they give us the little intro thing. And you did some intense, in-depth research, some good reporting. There's really only one part of the intro that I like to talk. Well, I like the song a lot. But other than that, there's only one image from the intro that really intrigues me. But I think you did a pretty in-depth, detailed 
uh, breakdown of everything that happened. So, um, Oh yeah. I, uh, yeah, it took me, uh, over an hour and a half of pausing and rewinding to make sure I, I what, what I was seeing. I actually even read the articles on the newspapers. You could have, you could have listened to this podcast in that time. Well, <laughs> you, you see, this is why I'm doing the work so that listeners don't have to, you don't have to do that. Now, I have. So <laughs> I think maybe I, is listening to us work though. <laughs> <laughs> It could, it could be, it could be. Yeah. So okay. basically when I broke out the, the, the montage, uh, it was, uh, 27 different, you know, kind of scenes within, uh, whatever 30 seconds it was, it was long. I know I I'm betting, I know which one interests you. And that's uh, kind of scene six with the, uh, uh, the, the Haven Herald newspaper in from 1698. Yeah, the most revered flag to elaborate on the proper devices and godly mechanism for the examination and discovery of witches. The Church of the Holy Trinity is uh, even welcome to offer their grand ball for the special offering of this discourse, which is, uh, I mean, I was pretty impressed with the detail they went through for a montage yeah. image on that because i'm some not pleased about some of the other montage images i was like some of the shots are pretty weird and like cheap like some of them just look like a camera guy came into a room just like trundling in and then someone's walking into the captain's cabin of the ship or whatever that is uh the office uh, we'll just throw that in there yeah you know get you know get old-timey pictures of what a uh, which, which probably isn't haven but <laughs> <laughs> you know everything in maine nova scotia looks looks the same for the most part and uh, <laughs> Now you're you going to get the whole town of Nova Scotia to come kick your ass. The wonderful people. Led by Edge. He's not from Nova Scotia. Or led by Christian, actually. Yeah, Christian's probably the one who's got a problem with me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jared Padalecki. Please do up. not beat my ass. I was just kidding. I used uh, to watch wrestling. I took took you to the Tacoma Dome to, to see wrestling. I don't think those guys were in at that point. I don't think so. You got um, to see you, you got to see Stone Cold Steve Austin team up with Ahmad Johnson. And, uh, I was there for Undertaker. Yep, you were there for Undertaker. You got to see the Road Warriors, which you can't do now because one of them's dead. So, you know, yeah. uh, making memories. Yeah, so that one image with Flag's name is what interests me. I, we won't go as far as we can tell. As far as I can tell, I don't know if Flag is any other involvement in the show. If you've read The Stand and other King works, then you'll know the name Flag, F-L-A-G-G. Um, I haven't read a bunch of stuff, so I know that there's some other flag involvement in the king averse, the king verse, king right. multiverse. Yeah, uh, flag uh, definitely is a prominent uh, player in uh, the Dark Tower. If flag comes into play, obviously the Stand is uh, you know his kind of spotlight book. I think he might be in, in part in, in Insomnia, which is a, another great king book. Uh, it takes a while to get into it. I mean, it literally took me, I got, I got to like the halfway point before I was into the book. That's how long it took That's me to a get big, into it. I haven't read it, but I've seen now times a big. If, if I didn't have faith in King, it wouldn't have worked out, but <laughs> it, it paid off. It paid off. And that yeah. was a great, great book. So flag is, uh, you know, a, you know, kind of personification of evil. And, uh, I was curious, I didn't look this up yet. was, uh, when 19, when 1698, was that the year of the Salem witch trials? I would guess yeah. around that time. It's um, around that time, but yeah. That's, yeah. So he um, was a witch hunter causing up chaos, maybe pulling his 
shtick from the stand again, trying to divide people. Well, divide people and serve the cause of evil by uh, prosecuting and killing, uh, you know, discovering false wit- witches. You know? Yeah. Accusing them and, you know, unjustly uh, prosecuting them kind of, you know, because we know what the, uh, you know, what the sentence was for that was, hey, let's put a bunch of stones on your chest and drop you in the water. And, you if you know, get out, you're a witch. And if you die, well, you were human. You're going to heaven. Yeah, great. <laughs> great. Thanks. Yeah, that was uh, ridiculous. And regarding the, the, the montage, uh, I, they mentioned in the commentary that there's two hints that'll be... Um, for two things that develop over mm. the season. And I'm not sure what they are. Uh, I, I, I got to think it's, you know, mermaid related because there's a lot of mermaids. Mm. There's a picture of a mermaid and a merman. Like, and it, it's like an old timey drawing of them in the sea. Then later, one of the- Do you think anyone says merman, dad, merman? Like, uh, do you remember mer- Zoolander? Is it a person? In Zoolander when he, uh, He's like, you know, you're a, you're on TV as a fucking mermaid, and then he gets mad at his dad, and he's like, he's like a merman, dad, merman, and then store. I think they're in a bar or something. Oh yeah, John. He's working Boyd. as a coal miner with his dad at the like uh, after he gives yeah. up modeling. Yeah, because he he's got to come up uh, with a new look because yeah. blue steel has run its course. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. I'm sorry, the scene where where they're uh, having the gasoline fight that is classic. I mean, there's a lot of holes in that movie, but <laughs> that is yeah. Uh, you know, till whams wake me up before you go, because you could just picture some dumb, not, not, you know, some dumb models. Not all models are dumb. So, you know, you could picture some dumb models just you know being totally oblivious. That just running total of people that are going to kick your ass after this episode keeps growing. <laughs> yeah, now you've uh, added Ben Ben Stiller to the list. I'm giving them credit that it's a funny movie. I just said there were some holes in it. He's an avid listener, you know. I'm sure he. <laughs> Yeah, he has uh, it on yeah. his Apple podcast whenever a new episode comes up. Been exchanging emails. He's going to be a guest soon. Uh, if he was, would be editing any any comments <laughs> out. As, uh, <laughs> we're not big enough time that uh, we can uh, turn down like someone who actually is relevant. And, uh, <laughs> I know you've blown our chances of getting Christian. I think he still periodically wrestles. So, you know, he's make money or go to San Antonio and beat up some, some guy. Yeah, he's, uh, I wish that was the only people that I'm on their list. So uh, other things that I think that are no. When, when I speak to the mermaids, uh, there's this. It's towards uh, towards the end of it. It's one of the la- the last scenes in the montage. They uh, they're showing like the street of Haven, uh, you know, like down the Haven streets with the shops, and then you pause it. You look, and in the in the all of the windows, there's images of mermaids. Mm-hmm. in all of mm-hmm. all of the windows so i gotta think when they talk about the two two clues something mermaid there's a mermaid episode coming probably and the thing is i remember a mermaid episode or, or in this case they were it was both sexes so i guess mer people all right remember, so that's it, one hint what's the do you can't figure out the other one Maybe uh, the, is there something with the light the lighthouse has to be like pretty yeah. prominent the lighthouse, but I really think the the lighthouse is just real is a symbol in it. There's nothing that really happens with the light. There's two lighthouses in it. There, I think there's lightning by by one. And uh, what other images? They they show a, a gable church and they show it first perfectly normal. Then it, it bleeds very quickly into the same, what I think is the same church on fire. So we, we could have a we could be dealing with with a church fire. And, and who knows, maybe the clues are related to the, the fake uh, Haven Herald newspaper articles. And uh, We'll have to keep an eye out. And any fans listening, if you notice anything or any King King's Easter eggs that we've missed, 
right yeah, in, right into us. Definitely, definitely. Because I'm sure, like I said, that that montage. There's so much going on, and it moves so fast. I I could miss stuff, and there was definitely. Uh, and we we know I've read that they've tried to pay a lot of uh, you know tribute to King during during their episodes. Like in this one, Bobby. Bobby Moeller was a character from the King universe and it was important. That's what, like when they mm. first introduced Bobby, right? No one goes, Hey, here's my daughter, Hannah. And here's Bobby, Bobby Mueller. And no, you would normally just say, and here's Bobby, her foster son. But it was really important for them that they wanted to have say the name Bobby Mueller so that they were, you know, paying tribute to King. What, what is that from a book? Now you're going to put me on the spot. I can't remember which King book it is. And uh, I was supposed to look it up today. All right. Since we don't know, you know, that's uh, not that we don't know. We do know. But we'd pose this question to the audience. What part of the Stephen King universe is Bobby from? What book, TV show, anything like that? Uh, if you can figure it out, kind of send it in to us. We'll have the answer on. But uh, we'd love to hear if you can answer it. Was there anything else about the intro you wanted to kind of go over real quick? Uh, there, are, there are a couple things that were uh, just, just kind of side note uh, that was interesting. Uh, one thing is that when they show the, the clips of the Haven Herald uh, newspaper headlines, when you read the stories, it, it, it's, it's the same story over and over, which is about a wolf attack of prominent people. And as you go along, that story keeps reappearing as a text. So I don't know if it was intentional or it was just filler, really. They just want, you know, you know let's just use this. Because, yeah, it turns out the same story all the way from, uh, is from the beginning almost to the end is still there, except for in the last, the last, uh, except for in the last Haven Herald newspaper shot, which is obviously the, the, the issue with the, the Colorado kid murder and, you know, Aubrey's mother and the boat holding the boy's hand. That, Audrey. Audrey. Did I say Aubrey? I said it too once this episode. So, well, your, your cousin, Nicole, her daughter is Aubrey. So. Yeah. And Aubrey from survivor. Oh, yeah, big brother's back yeah. well yeah we went over this last time so someone's going home tonight i don't know if they're going home. they're not really going home tonight yeah <laughs> so it, one of the one of the interesting things i find was that in 1725 the the price for the haven herald was two cents damn yeah and then uh and then on october 13th 1934 Price was up to five cents. So, uh, and, and that was pre-Teague time. The Teagues, uh, I believe, were his 40s when Vincent opened it. In the book, book, right? In the book, in the book. I read it in a book. <laughs> Dodgeball reference. If, yeah. yeah, some White Goodman. Yeah. The Venn diagram grows more complex. Well, actually, no, it's Ben Stiller. Yeah. yeah Maybe no, this no. will appease him. Maybe he won't yeah, yeah. come kick your no ass now. No one makes now. me bleed my own blood. there's a white goodman he's not a celebrity but uh i can only do certain lines so the price is up to five cents in 1934 then when we get to uh then we get to 1956 it's up to 10 cents daily 350 a year two dollars for six months yeah and it's funny the story mentions chief warnos the wolf attack Mm. story that keeps repeating and we know chief warnos wasn't uh the wasn't the chief back in the 1600s and 1700s but but it's the same article and every Mm. time 
a, a little more of it comes comes out in it. And uh, I, you know, so if there's a wolf attack, then here was our clue, our clue for it. Do you think that's uh, part of the troubles? It could be somebody who. I, I'm, I'm could almost positive. I, I can semi remember, you know, a, a lycanthropic uh, uh, episode. Episode, yeah. It might. I don't. I'm not sure if it's season one. But then when we get to the 1983, the last Haven Herald headline. Thank God, because those were a pain in the ass for me to, to <laughs> read and write write down that shit. Uh, Team, the teams are making out like bandits. It's up to 50 cents an issue and 950 for a year and five, five bones will get you six months. And what so, year is this? 1983. I wonder what it is in 2010. Oh God. Well, in uh, 2020, it's online only. So. Okay, but they got that, <laughs> they got that sweet advertising money oh, yeah. on their website. So the Teagues, that, that was really all I really wanted to talk about the montage. Like I said, it's really busy. I think it's done, done pretty well. I, it, everything bleeds into each other pretty, you know, fairly quickly. It's a, it's good uh-huh. music. Like you said, it's really good music. And you know, the images just fit, you know, kind of the journey of it. And, you know, cause like at the end, you know, it's, it's, it's modern times, you know, it's yeah. a, a black and white Haven PD card door closing a picture of uh, Audrey's FBI badge and, you know, ID the lighthouse the, the lighthouse. town we get some nice helicopter shots this is a pre-drone era yeah i think there, that what's that there is an image of a of a a black and white image of a burning lighthouse right in mm-hmm. there as well so there could be a, that, that that probably has happened in in haven like so i wish i wish i remembered more but if i remembered more i might be leaking more information ahead of time so this is probably yeah, good see? yeah this is good we're not going to accidentally spoil things cuz we don't remember Senility shows up. Yeah, senility has its benefits. That's right. <laughs> well, I don't know what my excuse is. Uh, Forty-eight. I'm not senile yet, but I, you know, not, I'm not as quick as I once was. Well, I think that's it for the intro. So that ironically segues into our outro. Uh, we do weekly releases, so if you check back in a week uh, or just follow us wherever you're listening to this. In one week, there'll be a new episode for you to listen to. We're going to be just moving sequentially through. If you want to reach us by email, you can reach us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. That's troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. You can find our podcast anywhere you listen to, like Apple Podcasts, Google, Podbean, Stitcher, all those places, and on SoundCloud as well. Um, You can find all our episodes also on our website at troubledpodcast.com. We have news there, and it'll keep you updated on stuff like our Patreon page. That's where we'll be doing extra episodes, bonus exclusive content for patrons. It's called Troubled with Extra Syrup because of the, you know, we love our pancakes here pancakes. In, in Haven, Maine. So the first extra episode we'll be doing is Colorado Kid, the novella by Stephen King that Haven is based off of. We're going to be doing just full coverage on that one. Um, it probably won't be as lo- quite as long as our normal episodes, but it's still going to be good. And we'll keep you updated on whatever, what's coming every month for those extra episodes. But we want to thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, if you like all that, go check it out. There'll be a bunch of links in the show notes. Uh, if anything that we've been talking about interests you that you want to look into further or find us, you can find it there. We appreciate you listening to us, and we hope you come back and return to Haven with us again. Please be safe. And most importantly, never let your troubles get you down.